morning, everyone. It's really a joy to be here together to share these teachings. I'd like to begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity. This one is called, The Caravan of My Prayers is Moving Toward Thee. The caravan of my prayers has been working its way slowly through dry wastes of arid doubts and furious sandstorms of despondency. Yet, at last, far-off glimpses of thy oasis of silent assurance have roused me in my drooping efforts. Eagerly, I await the moment when I can dip into thy revivifying water, my parched, thirsty lips of faith, and there drink deeply from thy well of bliss. Well, there was a young man who went to school to learn how to become a minister. And at school, he was given this advice. When you speak of God, when you speak of heaven, your face should be lit with heavenly glory. When you speak of hell, your ordinary face will do. <laughs> so this morning, we have to do our best <coughs> to be as light as possible <laughs> with our exalted subject, can man see God, or as Swami rephrases it, can God be seen? Master tells us that basically we're already one with God. He gives the example of the ocean. <clears throat> Excuse me, Parvati and I are <clears throat> coughing up here. Can we try a little water? And that the ocean, filled with salt water, of course, represents God. And we are like an empty <coughs> bottle submerged in that ocean. And what happens when you submerge a bottle in salt water? It fills with salt water. But we have a little cork in our bottle, and we've become much more involved in being the bottle. And forgetting about the fact that what's inside of us is divine, that we are one with God, and we're trying to find our way back to that. The reading this morning has hidden within it the answer. So interesting, I was working on this talk yesterday, and it was only when I woke up this morning out of sleep I went, the guru. The guru is hidden within this reading as um, we talk about uh, that Krishna when he reveals his sight, the, his true self to Arjuna, what does he say? He said, I give thee sight divine. And then later, Master, in his experience of cosmic consciousness, how did he get that desired state of consciousness? It was when his guru, Sri Teshwar, touched him on the chest and awakened him. Now both Arjuna and Master were avatars, were realized beings. And yet that flow of the guru was what awakened them. <coughs> so we can think of the guru on the one hand as a person who went through millions of incarnations, being someone like us, working his way through practice, through devotion, 
to realizing his oneness with God. And so we can look at it in that way, but we have to also realize that once a, a person has God-realization, they step outside of the bounds of matter, of time, and space. So the true guru is not a historical figure. The true guru is omnipresent. The guru is omniscient. The guru is inside of every soul. And each one of us has that presence within, and it's just a question of time of when we're going to find it. And so Yogananda and the other masters come to help us get on the wavelength of that consciousness and discover it, and discover our own divinity, that we can see God, that we are God. Well, we have to, can't, we can't just sit around waiting for somebody to touch us. It doesn't work that way. We have to do our part. And Swami has a very interesting explanation of how we can do that. I'm going to take a chance at giving this away. In uh, the book Education for Life, which is written about children, but what he describes is very apt for us. He talks about children or adults having three different um, ways of being, levels of consciousness, you could say. The first is a light consciousness. In the Indian teachings, we would call that sattvic or elevating. The second is what he calls ego activating. Um, sorry, ego active, which in the Indian teachings we call rajasic or activating. And the third is called heavy, which the Indian teachings would say is uh, tamasic or darkening. And so we can pay attention to where our consciousness is. You know, most of us have scales in our bathroom and we're always kind of weighing to see, am I getting a little lighter? Am I getting a little heavier? <laughs> and we can do the same thing with our consciousness. And it behooves us to do it because all of us have been in all three of those levels of consciousness. And consciousness moves much more quickly than physical weight. It's easier to pack on the consciousness pounds than to <laughs> gain weight physically. And so we want to stay alert and say, is my consciousness light? The light consciousness is where we easily feel that we love God and that God loves us and that we feel his joy. And perhaps we don't maybe wake up in the morning first thing with that, but we can easily lift our consciousness into that. That we see others in that same light. We see the goodness in them. We, we love them, not, not for their personality, but because they are divine as we are. There's a very impartial, uplifted quality to lightness. And because it's light, it easily can move downward also. Now the next quality, the ego active, it's very important. It's important to have energy. The egoactive quality is where there's a lot of outward energy. And outward energy can be extremely important, both for children and for adults. So the egoactive is when we take our job seriously. We want to do a, a, the best job we can for guru, to help other people. We really want to have the joy of putting out energy and we're, we're doing with our, we'll stay up till midnight, we'll do whatever it takes. And that kind of an energy easily goes to selflessness, easily goes toward lightness. 
but it also easily goes the other way. You know how children, when they're playing outside and maybe they're running and chasing each other and there's a lot of great energy happening and everybody's having fun and then in an instant, one child pushes the other and then everybody's crying and everybody's all upset. And so that active energy can also just go down. So we're working really hard and feeling great joy in our service and then we start thinking, I hope everybody's gonna like what I'm doing. I wonder if I'm really being appreciated enough. Am I getting my needs fulfilled? And suddenly it's all about ego and not about active. We've lost the active part and we're all thinking about me. And so we wanna watch that. And once we get into that, are my needs getting met? And am I receiving the uh, adulation that I deserve? we easily go to heavy, which is, you know what, I don't like them anyway. I think they have terrible taste and I, I just don't like them, but you know, I don't like myself either and I, I don't think God likes me either. And I, I'm so depressed, I don't have any hope, I just wanna, I don't wanna do anything. And so we move into heaviness. Okay, so it's an easy slide, but it's also, we can go back also and we want to pay attention to where is that because it's so easy you know you look in the mirror and you think oh i think i'm putting on a little weight but but how often do we just look and say okay is that attitude really taking me in a good direction or is it something i need to get rid of so what do we do about gaining consciousness weight diet and exercise <laughs> the tried and true methods what is our diet what are we reading? What are we listening to? What are we thinking? What are our repetitive thoughts? Do we want to feed ourselves on thoughts of negativity or do we want to just let it go? When I first came to Ananda, I was a pretty moody person. And I remember the day I made a huge discovery about moods. I discovered that moods cannot live in the here and the now. Moods come only when you're outside of yourself. Oh, I think I'm not as good as everybody else. Oh, everybody else thinks I'm not as good as they are. Um, oh, this happened to me in the past. Oh, I think, what if this goes on forever? But if you can actually bring your mind right into the present moment, you've got the leverage to say, oh, I can find happiness right now. I can be happy in this moment. No past, no future, just right now. So we want to use our, our choice about our diet. Is this going to lift my consciousness? Should I be thinking these thoughts? Should I be listening to this kind of energy from other people and so on? So paying attention to diet, paying attention to exercise. What's the exercise that's very popular nowadays? Weightlifting. So we're going to lift our consciousness, <laughs> practice lifting our consciousness. Sometimes it's a lot to lift it, but if we practice, we get stronger. And the more we can catch it early, the lighter it is. We don't wait till we're in the basement and we're completely um, paralyzed with unwillingness, but catch it on the slide down, we can get stronger and we can change. I've lately been thinking about another way of aligning ourselves with God. 
and it has to do with um, who's at our internal party. You know, we talk about, in the Bhagavad Gita, we talk about all the different mental citizens we have. And I don't know about you, but when I go to parties at Ananda or come to gatherings like this or community meetings, I often like to just step back and just look around me. Because it's so inspiring. So many um, wonderful people who are so kind and so selfless and so spiritually strong, and it's, and it's a very inspiring thing to do. So I think we should take a little examination and look at the party that's happening in our consciousness. We don't often look at that. Um, so we just step back and we open the doors of our mind and we take a look inside. And what do we see? Well, we see some nice devotional thoughts and some kind and serviceful thoughts and some plans for our work or plans for a vacation, nice kind of stuff going on in there, some nice things. But there's some other things. Who, who are those two guys in the corner? Oh my God. One of them is uh, guilt, Mr. Guilt. And the other one is Mr. I'm not worthy. Oh my God, they've been sitting there talking for so long. I, there's like spider webs growing around them. I didn't invite those into my party. What the heck are they doing here? And they're just, they've been there for a long time. Then we open another door and it's, oh my God, Miss Worries. She's climbing into my bed. She, she's totally made herself at home here. This is not okay. I never asked her to come. What is this? And then we go down in the dining room. There's three guys and they're really kind of taking over the whole place, you know? Resentment. Mr. Resentment is talking to Mr. Jealousy. And they're getting Mr. Anger all riled up. <laughs> they, they have no right to pose their voices and their opinions on the whole place here. What are these people doing here? So we're usually very accommodating. And we're usually nice to everybody. And that can be a mistake. In um, the book, How to Be Happy All the Time, Yogananda gives us his advice. He uses the word Mr. Sorrow. But you can expand it for Mr. Unwillingness or Mr. Guilt or Mr. Whoever. When Mr. Sorrow comes, do not give him strength by acknowledging his presence. If you feed him with the nectar of your tears, he will stay. He will soon spread all over the bedroom of your life. <laughs> Here's the important advice. The minute he arrives, laugh at him. That will cheat him of his joy. Then kick him in the stomach. <laughs> Apply the fists, limbs, and elbows of your will and throw him entirely out of the chamber of your life. Thus you will win both a physical and a metaphysical victory over sorrow. Okay, so there's a little bit of violence involved here. <laughs> um, but we don't have to think of it that way. I was, uh, there's recently been a little bit of a kind of 
discussion in the community about the fact that we have a lot of turkeys here. <laughs> and the turkeys have been around so long that they think they're running the place and um, they are chasing it, they're attacking the people. And so the advice that was in the villager was that we have to prove to them that we're the alpha turkey. And that we have to be aggressive and run at them and all that sort of thing. And so I thought, I don't know that I want to be walking peacefully home and then get really angry at a turkey. Just, you know, it doesn't seem like the right thing to do. But I discovered something really, really fun. And I think we can use this in our mind when we find those little corners in these nooks. I discovered that if you just put your arms up like this, so that your wingspan and your height is bigger than the circuit, if you just put your arms up like this and you just run at them and go, 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 they do. <laughs> and it isn't make you feel angry, it really is kind of a fun thing to do. So, I think what we should do when we find those people who've settled in to these corners of our mind and are really kind of bringing the party down is just raise your hands and go, go, get out. We don't have to be aggressive. We don't have to kick them in the stomach, although, you know, this is our, our guru. <laughs> so it's worth listening to. But rather just don't let them stay there. I love in here where he says, if you basically, if you entertain them, of course they're going to stay. If you ha have a cup of tea, oh, I don't want to be rude and ask you to leave. I, I, I better listen to what you have to tell me about why I'm not a good devotee and why I'm not worthy. Yeah, well, yes, that's very nice. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh, you're still talking. Okay. That's out of there. So we want to try to pay attention to is our energy taking us up or is it taking us down? And to just cooperate with the masters because the masters are saying, you're my own. You're my own beloved. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, in the 18th chapter, Krishna talks to Arjuna and he addresses him as dearly beloved. And in the commentary, master says something very interesting about how beloved the disciple is to the guru and why is it that we don't know that from the very beginning of our journey on the spiritual path why can't we know from the very first moment that God loves us so much as the saint the curator said he said if you knew how much God loved you you would die for joy why don't we know that and master explains that we can't know that now because we have to clean our consciousness. He said, if you knew it from the very beginning, he used the word preen, you would preen yourself. Just to, that's not a commonly used word. I think if we knew it from the beginning, we'd think we were very hot stuff. Spiritually, I am really together, God adores me. No, that doesn't work because that stands in our way. We have to get rid of our pride we have to get rid of our selfishness. We have to get rid of our indifference. And we have to come to the place where our devotion is unconditional. When God touches you with love, and I suspect probably everybody here has felt it, it's so easy to love God. You, you can just, you just flow, devotion flows through you. That's God's gift to you. It's not that you're so great that you're feeling it. He's giving you a blessing.
We have to get to the place where we have that devotion even when the touch of God's love is not there. That's unconditional devotion. And that's what he's trying to do. And that's why we have the various tests, and the various tests of faith, and the various tests of can we rise to meet this so that we can get pure enough to be, to be able to receive this incredible, perfect love that is, is really ours. I um, had an interesting experience in um, 2006. My husband and I went to India for a program that Swami Kriyananda was given, giving. And before we went to that program, I was working on a project with Swami Kriyananda, and I submitted something to him that I had worked on, and he did a whole lot of work on it, changed it quite a bit, which was fabulous. Um, but as I was going over the editing that he did on my work, I saw that there were a lot of things that I should have known to do. There were a lot of things I couldn't have done in a million years, but there were a lot of things I should have seen and I missed. And I felt kind of bad about that. And so I went to India, and I don't know how to describe this to you, but Swami in India, it's like the veil drops. And he's not just your friend, he's just God. <laughs> just this light and divinity sort of shining through him. And so I was in this room, and after we just arrived, the first time I saw him, and he walked right across the room, and he came up to me, and I, I literally felt I was standing before God. And he said to me with a lot of love, he was trying to make me feel better and say, you know, you couldn't have done what I did, meaning that he had much more talent and also the grace of Master to edit Master's works, which, of course, I already knew that. But he said that to me. And then I said what I felt, which was a self-deprecating comment. But Swami, I, there were, were things I could have done. And what, what happened then was very interesting. Swami didn't change his expression. I don't even know if he had an expression at all. I, I didn't notice it. But there was this like aura of light in front of me, divinity. And my self-deprecating comment bounced right off of it and come, came back to me as negativity. That wasn't humility, that was negativity. And, and so here we are with this idea of standing before God. You don't want to be thinking about yourself. <laughs> you don't want to be saying, um, you probably didn't notice that I've made a few mistakes in my life. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you want to just receive. The Bible says, as many as received him, to him gave he the power to become the sons of God. That's what we're supposed to do. We don't have to worry about letting God know. Have you noticed that I'm not perfect? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> it's not what's trying to happen. We're just trying to be in that flow and just to receive it. There's a beautiful story in the life of Dr. Lewis, who was um, Master's first disciple in the United States. And when Dr. Lewis was a young child, he um, was misbehaving, and he was getting his mother very upset with him. And whether she yelled at him that he had to go up to his room, or whether he just, in a you know, pout or something, went running up the steps to go to his room, I don't know. But at the top of the steps, there was a divine voice that said to him, Miney, that was his nickname, Miney, Miney, you must behave, you must mind your mother. Well, how old was he when that happened? I don't know, five or six. 
couple of decades later, Yogananda met Dr. Lewis, and Dr. Lewis was taking him on a tour of the family house. He still lived in that same house. He inherited it. As they got to the top of the steps, Yogananda stopped. And he said, God, God came here. God's presence was still there. And so in our life, there are times when we've experienced God's presence. Maybe it's been in meditation. Maybe it's been in the, how the circumstances of our lives were somehow magically transformed. Maybe our life was saved. Maybe we were led to read autobiography of a yogi or move to Ananda or something like that where there was just this sense. And I think probably many of us here have many, many of those experiences. Those experiences still exist. They are God's presence. They are real. They are much more real than the guys sitting in the corner talking about their guilty <laughs> problems or whatever. That's delusion. The presence of God in our lives is totally real. And that's what we want to focus on. Mm -hmm. So as we go on this journey and say, can I see God? Yes, we can. And to some extent, we already have. And we want to live in that reality to live in that knowledge that God loves us, that God is with us in this moment just as much as he has been with us in, in the most glorious moments of our lives, they're still alive. We don't want to have the attitude of, what have you done for me lately? But really, <laughs> you're still here. I treasure those moments. Sister Gyanamante gave us the most wonderful advice in terms of how to see God. She said, one answer will solve all your problems. Lift your consciousness to God and remember his perfection. Dissolve the thought of your weakness in the worshipful thought of God's strength. Absorb ourselves in God, we don't have to worry about the details. That's all taken care of. Let's meditate on this. <clears throat> mm -hmm.